Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Do you know you're living your history right now? Do you know that? You're living history right now. That word I just said, in the past. So was that one, and that one, and that one. Your history is right now. You're living it. And there's, there's good and there's bad in the past. And as we look at the book of Chronicles in the Bible, we're going to see how that past impacts our present, which is how we write our future. The, the big idea of this whole series is this. The series deals with the history and theology of the book of Chronicles. Through understanding the context and audience, we can understand the role God plays in history and in our heritage, the importance of worship, and the importance of leading by example in the virtues that are part of a godly life. Today, the good old days, the the message that we're going to talk about today, has a big idea that looks like this. The book of Chronicles was written, in part, to highlight the positive aspects of Israel's leadership and what happens when God's people live according to God's ways. I want to read a poem to you, and it's entitled The Good Old Days by Jim Yarman. I've heard it said, if you live in the past, the less future you'll have to enjoy. Yet sometimes I look For the good old days, back to the time I was just a boy. Back when people found time for each other, a time of kindness and courtesy. Back when we would sit in the shade and find faces in the clouds. Back when we were more innocent and free. Oh, I know life wasn't perfect back then, and memories have a way of highlighting highlighting the good while forgetting the bad and calling it the good old days. Still, there's a reason why we hold on to those good memories, why life seems, in retrospect, a a happier than it appeared, why we think back on those times with a smile, and why we remember the laughter instead of the tears. It's because we cannot escape our past, no matter how comforting or beautiful or frightful. But if we can bring the best of our past to our present, it makes our future much more delightful. So now, when I sit in the shade and find faces in the clouds, in the belly of the mountains, distinctive blue haze, I take a moment and say, thank you, for my future looks bright because of those good old days. Our history, our past, informs our present. And that can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. What we need uh, to work on in this series is taking the good, remembering it for what it is, and help it to move us into our future in a better way. Sometimes we tell stories about our past, 
We might only stress the positive. We were talking about this the other day. Uh, I was talking to my kids. We're like, wouldn't it be cool if somebody wrote a book about a, 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 a cruise ship company that's not really like, that are not really cruise ships, but they're like a cruise ship company that are like time machines. Maybe I'll write that book someday. And you can go, and, and a cruise ship company gets you all set, gets you all decked out with the right period of clothing, the right words to say. They give you a whole coursework, and then you can go back, and you just kind of fit into the past. And I was like, what, what, where would you like to go? And every single time we, we came up with a period of time that we'd like to go, we were able to find some reasons why it probably wouldn't be so great to go back. Sometimes, like, I'd like to go back to this, and we're like, but imagine the smell. Just something, something like that. You know, uh, I was like, oh, man, I'd like to see Rome, you know, Rome in its heyday. But if you look at, I studied Rome a lot. Rome in itself, the, the city of Rome, was a cesspool, open gutters. It, I mean, just like, it was, it was one of the most uh, disease-ridden places ever, anywhere. But we had this beautiful image of the splendor of Rome. You, if you went back there, you'd be like, oh, my God. Gosh. Oh. See, we can, we can do that. We can idealize and sensationalize the past. Uh, my kids were like, would be cool to see, like, you know, the Old West or something like that when it was the New West. But they got smallpox. <laughs> All right? So, like, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some highlights and there's some, there's some downsides. Um, but when we talk about the past in a positive light, it doesn't necessarily mean we are embellishing or fibbing when we stress the high points of a situation. It could just be that we are highlighting the positive for a particular reason. Have you ever met somebody like that? Somebody who's back in the day. We, didn't, you know, we had this back in the day. We, it was so much better back in the day. In some ways, guess what? They're probably right. But not in all ways. Most people would not want to go back and give up some of the things that we have today. And this type of rhetoric is actually absolutely vital when it comes to certain things. You know when we use this type of, when we, when we talk this way about the past really positively, you know when we do this? Funerals. We do. We, we try to cast that person in the most positive light possible. And I'm telling you, from somebody who's done a few funerals now, it's not always easy. <laughs> it's not always easy. Some people are tough to highlight in a positive way. But you do. You, you, you work it out. You figure it out. Because that's, that's an appropriate time to highlight the good parts. The book of First Chronicles is about the story of Israel. Although the books are separated one and two chronicles in our, in our contemporary Bible, in the, in the original Bible, they were one book. They were one book. We've separated them. Um, chronicles is likely the chronology, uh, last historical book, chronologically the last historical book of the Old Testament, written between 450 and 400 B.C. So chronologically, it should be right at the end of the Old Testament. Okay. Early Jewish traditions record, uh, recorded in Babylon Talmud 
ascribe the authorship of Chronicles to Ezra and Nehemiah. If you've ever read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we've done some studies on them. These people were phenomenal people. Um, some people disagree with that, that traditional authorship, but big surprise, right? Somebody disagreed. Um, in 1 Chronicles 9.1, it says, All Israel was registered in the genealogies that are written in the book of the kings of Israel. But Judah was exiled to Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. Okay? This, because of their unfaithfulness is a key concept in the book of Chronicles. Um, it's not just a historical retelling of the past. It's actually somewhat of a commentary on the past. Why were they? Historically, they were exiled to Babylon. Why was that? The commentary says, because of their unfaithfulness. The setting of the writing of Chronicles is the post-exilic nation of Israel. So they've come out of captivity, and now they're back home. Things have changed quite a bit in their homeland since they've been gone, and now this book is being written. And it has a particular purpose. It's more than just a history. They already have those. They have the history. They have First and Second Kings, okay, uh, and the book of First and Second Samuel. They have a chronology, a historical chronology. This book is different. Like I said, it's a little bit more of a commentary. Ezra 6, 14 through 15. This is the world they're coming back to, says this. So the Jewish elders continue successfully with the building under the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, son of Ido. They finished the building according to the command of God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and King Artaxerxes of Persia. What is this building? This is the temple. They've gone back and they have built the temple. The house was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. So the, chronolo uh, the chronolo uh, chronicler, I'm going to have to get that word right, but we're going to use it a lot. The chronicler wanted to encourage a poor and discouraged Israel, reminding them of God's faithfulness and their obedience. He wants to remind them of what? The good old days. He wants to talk, take them back to a time when Israel was at its zenith and start to connect the dots between uh, the zenith that they experienced under the rule of, of their kings and the why it was so good. Why was it so good? What, what was the connective tissue that caused them to prosper, that caused them to be a world power? What was that thing? And the commentary of Chronicles is that when God's people do life God's way, he's able to bless. And we're going to see that through and through. George Santiana is probably only remembered for this quote, because it's something we use all the time. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. But think about it this way. That's, a, that's kind of a negative outlook. But those who also, uh, there's also things that those who remember the past, the good things of the past, 
the things of the past that are worth passing down can enjoy the benefits of history in the present. That's why, folks, young folks, it's so important for you guys to develop good relationships, strong relationships with some of the older people in your sphere. We look, they're not out of touch. They just don't know how to use your phone. Because they lived at a time when human knowledge was actually in their brains. Not abdicated to a digital device that if we lose, it's gone. I'm telling you, folks, young people, go out of your way to build relationships with the elders in your life. It's valuable to you because we are so, um, we're so separated in so many ways because of our technology these days that we don't invest in those relationships that, are, that used to be the, the dissemination of knowledge and information would be passed down from one generation to the next in a very verbal, relational way. Now it's just, you know, Papa Google. And that's not good. We need to develop relationships that can not only give us information, but can also contextualize that information in a moral light. It's not just information. It's what do we do with the information? Information for the sake of information is just worthless. How do we apply that? Is there a good way? What did you do, Nana? When you had this decision to make back in the day, what about that? Well, I did this and this and this. Oh, okay. There's a contextualization of that information. So develop those relationships. One way that the chronicler helps encourage and teach the Hebrew people is through retelling the history of Israel in a positive light. He highlights the positives of the past. There were other histories, like I said before, of 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings. Much of the history is the same in both, uh, both books, but the writer has a specific reason for writing. He wants to remind the people of the high points of Israel. One example, I'll just give you a, a tactical, uh, tactile example of what I'm talking about. Uh, 1 Samuel 31 gives us an account of Saul's suicide on the, on the battlefield, Saul's suicide, instead of being taken by the Philistines. So that's in 2 first, first, uh, Samuel, excuse me, 2 Samuel. And it just, just says it straight out, his story, right? 1 Chronicles 10 says this, describes the same scene and ends with a warning. This is the commentary part that I was talking about. It says, Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord and also consorted a medium seeking guidance. So it wasn't just that Saul died. It was, there was a why behind it. There's a commentary on why Saul was not the dynasty that David became. All right. Um, sometimes in the present, on the flip side, we can obsess on the bad over the good. 
this is the, this is the, this is the opposite problem. This is the problem where the bad of your past kind of traps you. You have the good of your past, but you can't see the good of your past because you're trapped in the trauma of your past. I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about. This is what we're talking about right at the beginning of the service, that God can take, you know, all the things that we've gone through in our lives and turn it for good. And I don't know how he does that. I don't know how he does that. And a lot of times it takes, so, you know, I've, so I've talked to some people and they're like, you know, I came to an altar one day and I just gave it to God and I was free from that point on. That's awesome. And I believe God could do that. But I believe that's like, but, but, but in my experience, that's like one in 10. Or one in, most people, this is a process that they go through with God for their whole life of letting God reframe the pictures of their past, helping them to see that the trauma that they've experienced in their past doesn't define them. God defines them. God's love defines them. God's care defines them. And when, when, it, when it happens well, when, when this process is gone through and is successful, I'll tell you what, those people are some of the most powerful people in sharing God's love with those in the present who are dealing with the similar struggles that they've had in the past. It's amazing. God can reframe the traumas of our past. It doesn't take them away because they're you. They're part of who you are, but those parts of the, the past that are are, are negative, can be turned on their head. And the thing that the enemy meant for evil for you can now be used to not only bring you peace, but to bring peace to others. How do you see the failures and triumphs of your journey? That's how we're starting this whole thing today. How do you see the failures and the triumphs of your journey. Do you, do you, are you a person who more often dwells on the failures of your past? Or the dark side of your past? Are you a person who kind of hides those failures under the, under the carpet sweeps them under the carpet, and just focuses on the good old days, how it was better and how life was better. I, I'm going to propose to you today that all of our lives are a mixture of both. And sometimes you have to deal with your past, both the good and the bad, and bring God into that experience so that you can live your present in a way that's going to not only bring you peace and bring other people around you joy and peace, but is going to glorify God. We can get so stuck in the mire of the past that we don't live in the present or for the future. I was talking to my son last night in bed, and 
he asked me about my grandfather, on um, my paternal grandfather. And I, I, out of the blue, I don't know where this came from. I don't know why he asked me about that. But we started talking about Grandpa, Grandpa Sangster. And uh, I, I did the respectful thing, and I, 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 start, I gave him the, the good side of it. But there were some tough sides to my grandfather. He, was a, he, was, he could be a tough guy in his younger years, and um, there were some issues there. I'm going to be polite. And then, as he got to be an older man, uh, he, he accepted Christ. And I knew him more in those years. So I was able to, I was able to talk to my son about some of the, things, the good things that I remember. But I also told him this, that my father got saved when my mom and my dad got saved when I was about a, I was just born, a year old. They looked at me and said, oh, my God, we need to get saved. <laughs> Who can't handle this kid? <laughs> God took everything. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and, um, and when he, when they got saved, they made some decisions based on their relationship with God that said, I'm not going to do things like dad did. Especially my dad said that. I'm not going to do handle things. I'm not going to treat my family the way dad did. I'm not going to do those types of things. But I am going to take the good things of him, and I'm going to bring it into my present so that I can learn and I can leave a legacy that far outlives me and my father and, and take all of that stuff and not dwell on the negative, but, but, but dwell on the positive and fix the problems of the past. Now, Lincoln did not know that I was going to be having, giving this message this morning. But he asked me that question last night. I think that's a God thing. If we just let the past eat us up, we will never be able to leave a legacy for our future. And that's what the, the uh, chronicler is talking about. Listen, we've had a rough scrape. We've paid the price for this. We're back in Israel, and they, one of the, they said they rebuilt the temple. And the people who remember it before, from, from before the exile wept because it was so ugly compared to what they remembered the temple to be. This was a totally different period of time. But what the chronicler is saying is like, I want you guys to look back at our past. We've had some dark times, but there are some good in it too. Let's not let our, 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 our bad past hold us down Let's look at the good things of our past and let it catapult us into our future so that we can live a legacy, leave a legacy for the generations that follow. 400 years later, Jesus is born. What do you dwell on? Where do you live in your mental space? Are you here today? Are you here today? Today, are you here? Or are you saying things like, well, back in the day when I was in church, the pastor used to wear ties. It's not wrong. It's a fact. 
and it's, I'm not saying that was wrong and this is right. I'm saying, are you here today listening to the Holy Spirit talking to you right here, right now about your past and about your future? That's where you need to live. You can't get rid of your past, so use it. Let the Holy Spirit redefine it and live in the presence, in the present with God. Romans 15.4 says this. I skipped some verses here, so just Romans 15.4 says this. For whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. When we look back at our past, we should use the things that we struggle with, the things that exist in the past, whether it be good or bad, and translate that into our future so that we might have hope. And the Word of God helps us. The, the word for perseverance in the original language can be translated this, consistency. Seeing the things that worked and faithfully applying them to our lives. When we look to our past, instead of just dwelling on how either how bad it was or how great it was, we could say, okay, that didn't work. In that, in, that, in that part of my past, that was bad. It didn't work. It hurt me. So then I'm just going to keep doing it to everybody else. No! Consistency. Taking the things that worked and were good and throwing out the things that were bad and consistently using the positives that we've learned, even the positive that we've learned from bad situations and applying those things. So that through consistency and through the encouragement of the Spirit. Now that word encouragement in the original language could also be translated admonition. So this encouraging word is a very light translation of it, like a happy translation. Admonition means what? I'm going to give you some information here. And I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. I'm going to tell you how you ought to live. I'm going to admonish you to live the right way. Or you could say, I'm going to encourage you. You see the difference in the spectrum of that one word? That's what happens in the, in the original language is there's a spectrum to these words. And neither of them are wrong. But I think it's interesting that, this, that the scriptures are there to admonish us, to plead with us, to tell us brass tacks. This is what's going to make you happy. Nah. Joyful, yes. This is what's going to give you peace. This is what's going to give you what? What the word say? Um, of the scriptures that you might have what? Hope. Hope. This is hopeful. This will take and contextualize your past. Bring it into your future. Uh, bring it into your present so that you can have a legacy for the future. That's how God wants you to live. Not to deny your past or sensationalize your past, but to just deal with it in the light of his word the admonition of Scripture, so that you can live with hope for the future. I think hope is something we desperately need right now. Our society is so incredibly polarized. Everybody seems to hate everybody else. 
I'm going to let you in on a little secret. That's what they want. Now, who's they? Anybody who's making money off you. I don't know if you know this, but there's a thing out there called an algorithm. There's lots of them. And if you guys are on the internet at all, you are a victim of algorithms. Guess what algorithms do? They feed you what you want to see to keep you on their site for as long as they can so they can sell ads to you. They don't care if it's true, false, or indifferent. They are going to feed you so it feels like when you're on the internet, it feels like everybody believes just like me. I am part of a huge group of people, and the other sides are crazy. <laughs> See how right I am? Every time I click on the internet, there's another site telling me how right I am. And then there's the other people, those trolls on the other side. No, you're being, you're being manipulated. Know it. That's one of the joys of not living in this age, in the good old days, is that they had to actually use news outlets and newspapers to control you. <laughs> now you just pump it into your phone and you're, you're, you're off on the races. Be careful. We need hope. And hope is not in a political party. It's not in a, uh, it's not in a, a world system. It's, not, it's in Christ. Hope is in Christ. He's the only one who could take our garbage and turn it for good. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. He can do it. Hope is in Christ. I want you to leave this. I don't, I don't, know, I, I, I don't know if I'm that good of a preacher. But my goal is for you to leave today thinking, yeah, that's right. I am not the sum total of my past experiences. There is hope for me. I can, I can change. I can be redeemed. My past can be used. I can be, there, there's hope. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to be uh, on, a, on a pathway to destruction. I don't have to live in this depression or anxiety anymore. There's hope for my future. There's hope for my family. There's hope for me. All the things that were written before, and that's this entire book, were written for our instruction so that through perseverance, through consistency, and the encouragement or admonishment of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's what I want for you today. I want you to live in the light of the present with Christ, your hope, the only hope for our future. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters today. God, as we look at our world around us, all we have is right now. Yes, we've lived through the past and we can't change it, even if we'd want to. But all of those past things are leading up to this moment right now and how we apply your word to the world that we belong to. 
God, help us to be hopeful. Not in our own abilities or society. Lord, help us to put our hope in you. The only one who can reframe our past. Who can take the good things and bring them into the future so that we can leave a legacy for our people that are coming behind us. Who can take the bad things in our past, the traumas, and can reframe those things for not only our own peace, but also the welfare of others. So that we can live in the now with you as our guiding light. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, God. If they're struggling today, God, lift them up. Help them to know that you love them. Your word says that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, you died for us. Greater love has no man than this than the man laid down his life for his friends. That's how he thinks of you. Regardless of how good or how bad your past has been, God loves you today and he wants you to have a hope and a future. Lord, help us to rely on you for today and to trust in you for tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Go with God into a hopeful, hopeful September.